0: Welcome to the Prakato Missions Podcast. I'm your host. In episode 36, The Human Side of Missions, I talked to a woman who has incredible experience in understanding Islam, not from a theoretical perspective, but from a real deep and intimate personal level. In today's pod, I had a chance to talk with her again this time. We talk about all things relating to missions, discipleship, and church planting from a woman's perspective. What are the issues women are facing in church planting in the Middle East? Well, today we get to learn from such an incredible person. I know I learned a lot, and I hope you really enjoyed this conversation. You've been in the Middle East for 18 years, is that right?
1: I started actually 20 years ago, but I haven't always been in the Middle East. Okay through all the twenty years. But in some ways even I had a couple of years in Europe in between, my mind was still actually focusing on the Middle East. Mm. And so I in some ways I counted as twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> twenty years is mm. an amazing number. Mm.
0: I think for the vast majority of people, you know how they used to say like, oh, you know, you go into missions and it's like you carry your casket with mm. you, you know, those, the olden days. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of like the exact opposite. Now it's the kind of TikTok generation of mm. missions where it's yeah. like short term missions is big where it's like you Mm -hmm. do your two weeks or your three weeks and then you go back home and you've had your amazing Mm cross-cultural experience you know that you'll take with you forever but then when we even when we talk about long term on the field long term seems to be five years Mm -hmm. i'm wondering what motivates and drives you Mm -hmm. to to remain Mm -hmm. in the middle east in a hard place what motivates you and drives you to be to, to to remain for 20 years in the middle east
1: there are probably a number of different motivations so i don't want to just say you know all this like spiritual stuff which i think that is true That's part of my motivation is that i after 20 years i just have such an expectation of god working i feel Mm -hmm. like my expectation that god will really work that he is now working and that he will work and that he may be even will work in ways that will surprise me is much higher now wow. than when I actually started out. That's definitely part of it. And and my longing to see people in the Middle East, the women in the Middle East, really know Jesus. I think as well during these 20 years, like um, so much of the, of the societies that I've worked in have become much more broken. Mm. I mean, like during those 20 years, like... When I first came, there was no war in Iraq. Mm. You know, Saddam was still reigning Iraq. Yeah. And everything that happened from then, like Iraq getting broken, Syria having civil war, and then like at the moment we have like this huge crisis in Lebanon. I feel like that there is so much like like the societies are being shaken up by God.
2: Mm.
1: And my, my own ex- expectation is just rising to see god working but of course there there are also other other expectations i i think a lot of the times i enjoy my life in the middle east like i i love to have an interesting life yeah it's been hard for me to work in different countries as in like you leave a country that you love and you leave mm. relationships and friendships and start all over so there's a hardship to that but there's also again like an interesting business an adventure side to it of like living in different places and and having these experiences that i would never have and it's not for me just okay i can do this for two years and then go back i think there are experiences that you just just don't have normally Mm. if you do it for two years like a depth in your relationships and just understanding culture more and even you know, these last two years, I feel like I'm, I'm still understanding things about culture that just fascinates me and I love mm. that. But of course, sometimes I have times when I do want to go home. You know, actually the last couple of weeks have been a time like that where I felt like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And just feeling like there's so much failure as well in ministry, you know, where you feel like I've been trying to connect to some women and it didn't work out. And I feel like I'm just, I just can't break through, like some of the the cultural barriers in my society. And and at that time, actually, what really, really spoke to me was that we did a Bible study as a team about a story, the story of the rich young ruler. And I wasn't even thinking that that story would speak so much to me when I picked the text, you know. And the, it's in some way such a depressing story because the rich young ruler walks away, he doesn't want to be a disciple. And then the 12 say, like, this is just too difficult. It's, like, impossible for people to be saved. And and Jesus just ends it around. Like, he's so realistic. It's like, yes, impossible for people, but not impossible for God. And, oh. you know, then you have these verses and you just grasp them and hold onto them, kind of know it's it's not impossible for, for God to break down this barriers mm. where I feel like I'm so stuck.
0: Your answer surprises me. I think in the beginning of your answer, I felt I felt like, oh, wow. Like, that's crazy. That, that I feel like I have become, for example, more cynical with mm-hmm. the passing of time. I, so I feel like in my you know, 13, 14 years, whatever it's been, I feel like my prayers are more, quote, unquote, realistic than they used to be you know today Mm. we were praying Mm. for the whole region for example and i struggled Mm. i struggled to do that i thought like okay i can pray for a person that i know Mm. but for the whole reason i just thought like i don't have enough faith to pray for a whole country Mm. yeah but somehow cynicism the death of hope (laughs) hasn't (laughs) snuck into your life you're still Mm. you're so passionate about what god can do you're more now than you were it, 20 years ago. It's
1: really true, and I'm—I don't know. Maybe it's partly my background. I remember when I started out in into mission and I had this plan of, you know, studying Sharia and mm. and being a missionary. And in my home country, like people were saying, "You're just crazy. Like, who mm. would like you want to go into the college where people study Islam? Like, yeah. who would ever listen yeah. to you?" And I was just like that's okay, but if there's just one person who will come to faith through my Mm, ministry, then I feel like I have not wasted my life. So maybe I I didn't come from this kind of, oh, I just walk into the Middle East and the hundreds will come to Jesus. And for me, it's more that now I'm thinking my faith was far too small, like my expectations were too small because that's maybe part of my church culture background not to expect things that are too big or sound Mm. too unrealistic. That's something that I felt like that has actually grown in me a lot. And it's not so much like I wouldn't say like I know this is going to happen now or something like that because to be honest, I don't know. God knows. God knows what he wants to do. But for me, like for the last 10 years or so, just studying more like disciple-making movements – and studying scripture that has been very much like going hand in hand for me, like studying the new Testament from that angle. I'm much, much more convinced today that God, when the time is right and when he wants to do it, he can do that in any of these countries that I lived in. And maybe he doesn't want to do it now. You know, I don't know. I have an expectation, but I'm still knowing that this is my expectation and, not like a prophetic expectation, mm. but the the faith that God can do it at any time, and much bigger than I could ever pray for, bigger mm. than praying for the region. That just really excites me.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, amen mm-hmm. to that. It sounds as l- as well like you really enjoy the place and the people. Mm. Do you think that's a big part of sustainability on the field over the long term?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a, that is a big part of it. And even as I say it, I'm at the moment and in place that I have less of that enjoyment. Yeah. But I still, in some ways, I even feel like I'm still feeding off years where I just really enjoyed mm. like being in a place with, like, great food. I love to eat, so food is important <laughs> to me, of, like, just lovely people and ease of building relationships that I enjoy it. Um, mm. A place of like beauty and you know and architecture in music and always like with this twist of being different than the beauty at home for mm. example. Yeah. The food at home that I also love and that just makes us this, this interesting mix for me. Um, I think that's definitely something that is important and I was encouraged actually when I came to the field by people that were much older to me and they said like, try to find something here that you can really love, that you can really enjoy mm. and don't feel like your life should all be about like sacrifice because that will help you to stay. Mm. I think that was really good advice.
0: Yeah, I think it's super good advice. I think having the capacity to sacrifice is helped along by having things in your life mm. that you do enjoy on other in other yeah. areas, yes, the other thing that stood out for to me from your answer was kind of the last thing you said about maybe the season that you're in now. Can you tell me a little bit about that, or you don't have to if you don't want to? Mm.
1: yeah, I think at the moment, I'm working in a society that's gone through a lot of horrible experiences wars um National Civil trauma. war, national trauma, and the society is so broken, mm. and the the natural trust that normally exists between neighbors in a normal healthy in society in a normal healthy yeah. society yeah that's Doesn't broken. Exist. Wow. And so I feel like a lot of the things that I love about the Middle East, um mm, they yeah. got actually destroyed during the years of war, and I'm missing that. Mm. Yeah, that's it's something I'm really I'm missing the the ease of relationships i'm missing the kind of opportunity to spend a lot of time with with local women to have the ability to get into the families and it's hard where i am right now it's like people are specifically suspicious of foreigners Hmm. so it's a weird experience for me being in the middle east and when people talk with me like women talk with me and they ask me where i'm about where i'm from something like that and um and they just don't want to go on with the mm. conversation. They're like suspicious. Like, why am I here? Like, as if I have to have like some kind of bad motivation for being there. And it's not not safe to, to know more, to ask more, to relate more.
0: Mm. I wonder what it does look like to build these kind of relationships mm. with women. I know, like in our trainings and in our conferences, I would say the vast majority of stories mm-hmm. uh, are about uh, stories, examples, and the, the people who are teaching are mostly men. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that's changed yeah. over the years?
1: No, I think that's true. Yeah. Especially when it comes to, and so it's what I want to say, like the hard skills, you know, like the soft skills. Mm. And I don't want to, I don't at all want, want to... Um, give those things like different values but i think sometimes when we talk about culture and we talk about like language learning and those, so on what are then hard we what are mayb- hard and
0: soft skills what are mm-hmm. what are those maybe
1: it's it's not a way, good way of naming them but i feel like when it comes to the kind of cultural side and language learning and so on then we have women involved in the training but when it comes to like how do we reach the lost that's mm-hmm. like the core let's say like the core skills yeah. of like. How do we reach the lost? A lot of the training we have is actually from men. It's actually something that I've been fighting for, like asking again and again, we have any kind of training, we have a panel, we have any things like, why do we have only men sitting in front? We need to have a woman up there because we have, a lot of us are women, so we need to actually (laughs) see women in front as part of these Mm -hmm. kind of people who can share about the experiences and, how it works because it works differently for women than for men it works it works
0: very differently for min- women and i think uh the mission field uh is filled it has more women mm. in, it, in it than men yes uh in yeah, general i think the church has more women mm. in it than men mm. uh in yeah. general probably yes. as well no matter yeah. what country mm. you go to what church you're a part of do you think like some of that is in do you think some uh, some of that is in methodology is it like person of peace you know we talk about person of peace for Mm, example in in, like is it harder to have like an influential person who 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 is a Mm. woman or or like what would you like what would you like to see more of when it comes to training or uh or or content
2: Mm. Mm.
1: i would like to see more women involved in the training and teaching actually and i would like to have that happening for for example for us like for the whole field. Because sometimes when I ask about these questions, then it's like, oh yes, we can have like a special seminar for the women. And that's not what I want. Because then again, we feel a bit like, oh, we like we get like the special treatment
2: for yeah, like yeah, the slightly yeah, yeah. weird persons. <laughs> but
1: we are like half of mankind. And for me, as I listen to men teaching and training, I'm learning so much, you know. Mm-hmm. And even as I'm reflecting what i hear about their experiences against my own experiences and i need to adjust what i hear so that it makes sense and i can work with it in my context i actually think that there's also a richness Hmm. in doing that and i think even for the men in our conferences and so on they could gain Hmm. from the riches of listening to women with different experiences absolutely yeah um so i think that that's it would be important both for the men and for the women, actually, to to listen to more training and input from from women. There was another part of your question.
0: Oh, is content?
1: Yeah, content-wise, I think in some ways because a lot of what we do focus on when it comes to these kind of core skills of reaching the lost, um, at least in our context and our organization. There's the strong focus on like disciple-making movement um, strategies. I think because for me, I have known, I know some women as well who have worked with these strategies very, very fruitfully. That makes a big difference for me. And I've had, for example, for some years, I've had a female coach who has Mm. has seen a disciple-making movement in Indonesia it was really important for me. I wanted to have a, f- a woman as a coach yeah, to help yeah. me think through these issues. And that has helped me to see how the principles, in a way that that we're learning, how they affect discipling women. Hmm. Um, so for me, it's not so much like, oh, for women, I need to do something totally different. I can use the principles, but I still need to know how I can use them hmm. with women, with a specific like opportunities and challenges.
0: Mm. I think women yeah. are asking different questions than men are asking. And I think in general, when it, so when it comes to spirituality, mm. when it comes to fears, concerns, mm. I think they're asking different questions than men are asking in general. And I also think that there is a different level of vulnerability that mm. women have in this society mm. when it comes to the faith that yes. men don't experience. There is a freedom that men have that women don't mm. have in the society, mm. even like the freedom of movement. Yeah. Uh, a man's not going to get locked into his house mm. by yes. his hu- by his wife, <laughs> you know, yes. uh, yeah. for, uh-huh. for example. And uh, I'm wondering like, what are, do you think some of these women's issues for a woman? When she starts
1: seeking for God and she has to, to think about these issues. What does it mean? If I would follow Jesus, what would it mean for me and for my life? Um, that actually her vulnerab- vulnerability will often probably stop her in her path. Mm. For example, if you have you know, a student, 22 years old, if he's a guy, if his family chucks him out of the house...
0: He'll find some place to, live. Some place to live. He'll find some place
1: to live. Absolutely. He can find some work to yep. do for the woman... In his place, like on the street, she'll be just thrown to the wolves, and yep. she can't survive unless she'll probably, you know, has to go down really, really, really terrible and diff- difficult paths. Mm. I think it's just so much more difficult for them. And then, one of the areas that I'm I've been facing these last months is a lot that women can't even meet. Mm. For, you know, if they're seeking just issues of like not having freedom to meet people, if they wanted to know more, that's another big issue for uh, for women.
0: Have you found solutions to these or how how do we uh, train women to disciple or to share uh, within these confines?
1: Mm. I can't really say that. I found like the.
0: The silver bullet.
1: Yeah. The direction of my thoughts at the moment is actually how much more important it is actually for women to involve someone from their family or maybe even more than one person from their family in their search from the beginning Mm. Um, because they can't survive on their own or they can't even leave the house on their own. They would always need someone to go with them. Normally, like all the women in our societies, unless they're just going maybe to work and come back. But... Anything that's not strictly regulated and scheduled. Um
0: it's suspicious. they they
1: always or go out in like to. two or three years and they can't mm. just go out on their own and mm. not tell their family where they go. Mm. And um and also from the point of view of the vulnerability, like if the woman has someone else in their family or maybe even two people in the family who could kind of support her and be the mediator with the family, anything like that. That would make a huge difference for these women and so as i'm thinking about some women that i have been trying to reach out with and that has been so challenging i'm thinking like how can we actually help them to think through even maybe earlier than we do
2: Mm.
1: with men because with men we think they should share what they're doing so others can hear the gospel as well so we're much more with the men i think focused on We want them to share what they hear so the gospel can move on from them to other people. And of course, I want that for women as well. But we need to think for the women even earlier like that she actually needs people probably from her family to go this path with her.
0: So that she can hear
1: it. So so that she can actually hear it. Hmm. And so that she can be safe when she hears it. And I, I've been reflecting on some of the stories that I heard like from older missionaries, you know, even like some of them working maybe 50 years ago yeah. or something like some of the really, really old ones. And I remember especially one or two of them sharing with me they were working in North Africa at the time and how they always involved the family of the younger women that they were reaching out to. And at the time, they didn't use the word discipleship, you know. But in some ways, they were discipling them, and how much that actually helped in the times of conflict because they had a relationship of trust with the family. Mm. So that when the family got really upset with this young woman for wanting to follow Jesus, sometimes even like the foreign missionary could be part of like the mediating Mm. group that helped the family accept Mm. the girl and her decision. Hmm. And I'm I'm really thinking about how can we actually do that, help these women in ways that will not endanger them. Um, but to find early on someone who will stand up for them and help them from within the family, maybe someone who can come along when they want to meet someone for this des- discipleship.
0: Do you think we particularly struggle with that? coming from western societies where we're so individualistic and we're coming into societies which Mm -hmm. i mean not only are there multiple layers of complications to discipling people including Mm -hmm. vulnerability and access and so on but also just the reality of like but also like how hard it might be for westerners who, we, where we have this mm. like hyper individual mm. uh, hyper, hyper individualistic mindset to even th- think about it's not just about this one person mm-hmm. it's about her and her sister and her family or whatever
1: yeah yeah I think we definitely have a difficulty in that and part of that even is I think I think the stories that we consume like stories about people coming to faith and about MBBs, the stories often are just stories of individuals. And even Mm -hmm. the stories we celebrate, it's like, wow, this one woman, and she loved Jesus so much. She bore being kicked out by her family and living on her own, Mm. and this whole terrible story. And of course, you know, it's like a woman like that, she is a hero, Mm. you know, and she is such a courageous person. So I don't want to downplay that. Yeah. But I feel for us, like as we think about who we reach out to, sometimes we have this mindset of like maybe accepting too quickly that if people come to, f- to faith, then they will have to face all these persecution mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. and so on. And I don't want to do something that's like, you know, to avoid persecution at all costs that's mm. not the point but mm. i think sometimes like yeah the stories that shape our imagination of how people come to faith at least i didn't grow up with like stories of a woman coming to faith with her aunt and her cousin or something yeah, like that you yeah, know yeah, yeah. it's like individual stories yeah. that that we hear and that kind of excite us about what we could do
0: hmm. Hmm. i think as well with this fear you talked about fear for a, a moment there I think there is, you know, this proverb where the man says, I can't go to work because Mm. there's a lion on the road or maybe there's a lion outside my Mm -hmm. door, you know, Mm. Uh, and he doesn't even he doesn't even try Mm. because it is kind of not maybe an absurd fear. Mm. uh, But chances are there's no lion outside Mm. his door. Yeah. You know, maybe there is, Mm -hmm. but there's probably not. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times fear, fear proceeds An action rather Mm. than fear coming from an action, fear precedes the action, Mm. and and decisions are made based on the fear of Mm -hmm. what could happen if they did something. Yes. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah. So sometimes I feel like, as well, something may happen, but also, like, something may not happen. Mm -hmm. It might actually, chances are, it's going to be, oh, I I, actually, I think for guys, Mm -hmm. chances are for guys, it's actually not going to be as bad as mm. they perceive that it's mm. going to be. That f- that fear factor, you know. I don't want to diminish the reality that these are hard places for pe- people to follow Jesus.
1: I think for women, maybe the fear may be more realistic. Mm. Tell me about that. Because again, of not all families, but I think many families, they're such so mu- so much more protective mm. of their daughters, for example, their girls, than of the men. Mm. So I think, again, like a lot of people we see are seeking are the younger generation. Yeah. And for the family, okay, we have a guy in his 20s and he has some crazy ideas. Like, so. okay, so some turn communist and some turn atheist and some turn Christians for a couple of years. And then when they mature... They find their way back. They find their way back. It's much, much more accepted Mm. for guys. But for girls, I think the families are much more fearful... Because also the 20s are much, much more important years because that's the years when a girl gets married. Mm. Um, and that's when she actually needs to find her place much more, like earlier than, than for guys, I think. Yeah. And she has to be a woman who is, you know, the keeper of, of the family honor and, and all these things. They're all much, much more connected to the women in the family and to, to the daughters, and so, what I see again and again, it's like the girls that I have had opportunity to talk with, that they even, someone just noticed they were reading the Bible or something and it it really started like a huge storm in the family mm. and like being locked in after wow. afterwards and things wow. like that. And I think it is often the family trying to protect the girl. So, they, they allow the men to have a couple of crazy years. Yeah but not the girl
0: yeah yeah she has as well this whole honor and shame aspect she has the potential to bring shame to the family in the way that the son doesn't as Mm. well yeah i mean it sounds like so i'm a single guy i've lived in the middle east as a single guy so i only know like one side of the curtain of the house you know i only know the guest room uh of the house i don't know the rest of of how life looks like and works Mm. here but just like hearing what you're saying, it sounds a very hard and be like, I don't know, is it like is it hopeless like how what are women able to come to faith in Jesus in the Middle East?
1: Yes, they are, and again, like as I'm thinking about all the all the challenges and I feel like maybe at the moment again, like I'm at this point where I see it's hard the challenges you yeah. know, I don't have like the the easier inroads, um, but I I'm still so convinced that they're like in my city. Mm. There are women who are searching for God, and God is working in them, and He's calling them. So for when He opens the mm. door, I want to be there. Mm. You know, even Amen, if yeah. right now maybe I don't have an open door, m- or just maybe one or so, and I want to have 10 open doors, Mm. you know? Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen women come to faith and I've seen women start reading the Bible. And something that you mentioned earlier is this kind of what, what are the areas that women interest are interested in They're like different, different questions. Mm. I've seen them read the Bible and be touched by it in the questions that they have. And yeah be be happy about it be really joyful of those things so i don't feel it is hopeless at all <laughs> but yeah. i think it's very difficult yeah. but it's not hopeless yeah. yeah one of
0: one of my big things one of the things i i emphasize just kind of in my own thinking not necessarily in public but one of the things i emphasize in my own thinking is the idea of hard places the idea of mm. doing ministry in hard places mm-hmm. and i i wish we had more of an emphasis on this you know we're mm. not in dallas texas mm. or in seoul korea mm. or something yeah. like that where people just come to faith right mm. left and center like there are very few christians in these parts of the world because mm-hmm. the pl- it's actually very hard mm-hmm. it's a very hard place for the gospel to find mm. roots and there yeah. are multiple reasons for mm. that yeah. i would love there to be a recognition that these are actually hard places mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, We're ministering in hard places, and hard places are hard places for reasons. And w- one of those reasons is that there's persecution from the family, there's persecution from society, and mm-hmm. there's persecution from government yes. as well, if you yeah. come to faith. It's all, yeah. it's all layers of society. Before, before we move on to other, other topics about women in discipleship, more specifically in the discipleship area, I wonder, do you have any thoughts for people who are newer uh, not necessarily brand new, but newer to the field, one year, two years, five years, whatever it may be, in how, like, a, some do's and don'ts for discipling women?
1: I don't really like so much the do's and the don'ts because I was put so many limits around you mm. and situations can be different and people are different. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. All right, let me ask the question differently then. Are there certain things that you find are very important in discipling women or sharing with women walking alongside women in this society that you have learned along the ways that you would like other people to know
1: maybe what one, one thing is like again like take women serious as mm-hmm. spiritual beings i think sometimes we see women very much as like oh they're only interested in emotional topics and and cooking and and so on and so i only need to talk with women about these questions and um i think just like men you know not everyone wants to have a spiritual conversation but women are just as spiritual beings as men Hmm. and not to think like i'm not going to Go get anywhere because this person is a woman if I want to speak about spiritual questions. In the place where you are, like take some time as well to understand like the spiritual felt needs Mm. of the people that you're working with. And I think that's true for men and for women as well.
0: Can you give me kind of an, an idea of what you mean by that?
1: I think that God created people so that they have not just felt needs as in like, I need to eat and sleep and drink... But also that there is a longing for for connection with God.
0: Mm. Um, Amen to that.
1: But it, it depends a bit on the culture and so on how how this is actually felt. Like, what do I need? Mm. Um, how do I feel like I find fulfillment? And whether it's like I need a mediator who helps me because. I feel something of my shortcoming of my sinfulness, for example. A spiritual felt need for women, I think, is often related to questions of ritual cleanliness because Mm. that's something they need to deal with all the time, Mm. especially as like Sunni, Orthodox Muslim women, you know, just cleansing and washing and doing all these things. So, and that it's not just an act that people do. I mean, for some people, maybe it's just an act, but when people start to be spiritually searching or thoughtful, then it becomes something, the action also creates this the experience, even it may be a superficial or maybe like a false experience of like spiritual cleanliness, spiritual uncleanliness, and then that becomes a spiritual felt need. Mm. So I need to kind of understand a bit what, what is going on with the specific women that I'm reaching? And even something like, as you said, a lot of our material is so much geared towards men and the way that men um, access religious questions. Mm. Again, many of the women that we deal with, they're also trained on the other side by men, you know, like the Muslim women. Mm, they're yeah. also actually trained yeah. and taught by men. Mm. It depends really on who I'm speaking with, but mm. I need to have a lot of awareness and sensitivity because this person, she may be a woman, and she may be really, really emotional, and all these kind of you know, take all the stereotypical boxes. But maybe she's been like going to the mosque for the last five years, and she's had all these kind of male sourced teaching about Islam, and that's what where her questions are. Mm. You know, so just um, understand where. Yeah, where the spiritual felt needs are.
0: Hmm. How does one go about finding those things out?
1: Spending a lot of time with people.
0: Hmm.
1: Asking good questions and and observing and listening into people as they talk with each other. I think sometimes mm, yeah. we can learn yeah. more about them that way. And maybe so like not every like in the widest sense of the word, spiritual conversation has to quickly lead to me sharing the gospel yeah i think of course we want to share the gospel so much and we want to do it quickly but also i need to listen to if i don't listen i will not know these things and i may just always share the gospel in ways that is doesn't feel relevant at all to the women that i share with
0: Mm. i yeah that's a that's a huge problem i have i want to go from a to Z in one conversation, <laughs> yes. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and it's the f- I've I've never had even even when I've like convinced people, mm. I, I kind of like philosophically convinced people, I've never had anybody like spiritually like in those conversations bow their knee before mm. the Lord, you know it's mm. okay i need a savior and jesus is mm. my savior even if i could bring him like bring him in a conversation to a point mm. where he admits mm. it yeah. yeah does that make sense yeah like it totally f- makes sense i think we yeah. talked about it in our last yeah. conversation the fruit of those of mm. those types of conversations mm. are often not what we want anyway yeah i like what you said your answer is not an easy answer your answer is cuz maybe that's going to take a lot of work from you and Mm -hmm. a lot of time from you Mm. and i think i think you're right like we we do come in kind of headstrong. Mm -hmm. uh -hmm. like our whole lives are committed to this one thing you know Mm. we want to have we want to see people come to faith in jesus you know and so we're we're like so ready to chomp at any opportunity Mm. uh to do that and and i think the humility of just Spending time listening, mm. spending time being curious, mm-hmm. spending time trying to understand. That can be very hard for us, all. Mm.
1: Huh? Yes, and maybe sometimes also we feel it's a bit scary. Mm. And sometimes maybe we don't f- do it because we're afraid that what we find, we feel like as a question mark to our, ourselves. Mm. I think sometimes that's also a reason why we don't do like it. Like
0: the need for personal validation?
1: Yeah, or just... I know this is maybe a little bit, like, too categorical, but I think sometimes we have a tendency as, like, our kind of group, you know, like missionaries of we have a need to see the other person in a certain kind of box of spiritual neediness and so on. And if I listen a lot to them, I may not always find that so much on the surface. And that's not to say... and that I don't believe, you know, these people are lost and they need Jesus. But it's not always so obvious. Like, I have met many Muslims who would, in in a very kind of credible way, you know, talk about the peace they have. Yeah. For example. Yeah, 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 sure. In Islam and the yeah. love they have for God and, and for people and all these things. And the more I listen, the more I will also hear these kind of things. But I might also actually hear the real areas that they're struggling with and the real areas where they they're looking for answers as well.
0: Do you ever use personal testimony?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: in what way do you think that's a helpful way of communicating the gospel?
1: Mm, I think it's helpful because it shows how the faith. Is something real in my own life mm. and how it makes a real difference? I think sometimes for us as Westerners, people see us as if we're living in a different kind of a life. And of course, because there are stereotypes that way around as well, you know, like, oh, my life should be also easy. And mm. so sometimes it may be hard to understand as well for a Muslim woman to see that I'm a normal person and have normal struggles mm. and frustrations and not everything maybe that i would wish for in life is happening or will be happening those kind of things and i think those are often the the areas where our faith becomes more more real you know the the real struggles that i have in life mm. um and how like the testimony that my faith makes a real difference in those areas i think is makes makes it more real um, and more valuable in a way than just some kind of dogmatic belief that I have. Mm. And maybe that's, I don't know if if you ha- see that as well a lot with the men. May- that may be something specifically strong for women, that they, they need to, to really see that relevancy, that lived out relevancy. Yeah. Like how can your faith help you with, you know, not being married, not having children, or whatever it yeah. is, you know, like yeah. yeah,
0: no, I think I think it is important, and I think it's something I often overlook. I love theology, mm. I love splitting hairs in theology, mm. I love understanding all the details of what i what I believe, and so mm. I can bring that into my sharing with Muslims, but I think some of the most powerful responses I've ever had from people. Or simple things like praying with them, mm, you know, yeah. where they all, where they see this like living relationship with God. I had one guy say to his friend, mm-hmm. he said, "When uh, when this guy says he's going to pray mm-hmm. for you, he actually means he's going to like sit down and start talking to God mm. on your behalf." Yeah, you know, like that blew his mind. Yes, uh, yeah. instead of just saying like, "Ya Rabbi." Mm-hmm. that's kind of how they pray yeah. for each other you yeah. know that's how may, maybe maybe that's a superficial way of of seeing it but this guy's mm-hmm. mind was kind of blown away mm-hmm. uh, when he saw the relationship mm-hmm. yeah. that yeah. I had with God through prayer you know yes yeah um I'm wondering uh I, I our time is running away from us and I want to talk about uh women i would i was specifically I would like to talk about uh women in leadership mm-hmm. in Uh, like local mbb's in leadership in small groups um what would a small group look like what would leadership look like do you think it differs from being like from men to women Mm. uh like what tell me tell me everything you know about (laughs) about these things is that too broad of a question
1: it's not too broad of a question, but I feel a little bit out of my depth, to be honest, with the question. I mean, I've seen.
0: There's nothing outside of your depth.
1: Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I wish, but no. <laughs> I've seen definitely like families where, like, I had groups studying together where the women was like the, the initiator, the one who would call the group together. Um, in that sense, I think when we talk about leadership, I often feel like we have many different levels of leadership, mm. or at least the way I see leadership when I think about, for example a disciple movement uh discipleship movement happening, so in some ways someone who starts to call the group together or facilitates the questions and so on. It's a totally different kind of leadership than when we think in the west of like church leadership and we have like this studied pastor the kind of leadership that the pastor has over a church is a totally different leadership. Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah much, much different authority. Um, so my experience is maybe with this kind of low level is a leadership, but not very kind of authority-based, but it's more a leadership as in like motivating the group to mm. come together for Bible study um, and maybe being one of the, people in the group that has the discussion going in a fruitful way something like that i've seen that happening a lot um i think when it comes to to leadership let's say as groups mature into churches and churches then mature into mature churches again i think there's a lot of processes happening Mm. i personally probably don't think that to have like a woman in like a, a more authoritative position of leadership would actually be something that will work well with the culture. And maybe we other theological questions to that as well, but I don't <laughs> want to go into those. So,
0: um. but but I'm I'm wondering I'm wondering more along the lines of like the smaller yeah. So mm. when we're st- when we're thinking like a house church uh, or mm. a small group, um yeah are the principles of leadership like the same for men and women, do you think?
1: My first answer would probably be on that level. I wouldn't distinguish so much between the leadership of a man or a woman. And also I would probably focus to have like a multiple leadership in a group. Mm. For example, if I had like a family group, mm. maybe it could be a married couple yeah. and they lead it together. For me, especially if I work with a with families if I have a married couple children whoever comes together if the wife is the driver like the spiritual driver in the family I have good experiences of working with families including husbands and so on but I, for example, I couldn't disciple a family where the husband would be the spiritual driver.
0: You personally couldn't because you're a woman.
2: Because I'm a woman.
1: Mm. Because the a lot of the input, even if, let's say, like the main kind of discipleship focus and developing these people as like the leaders of this group would be on a married couple, there will be like m- more, I think, of a need for like, building a relationship in depth with a driver and the family, and then, of course, I can't do that with a man. But if, if it's the woman, and but the husband has it as well, but she may have it stronger, mm. you know, then I've seen that work. And it depends as well on the women, because I think some women have wisdom of how to have leadership without making the husbands feel disrespected. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's not an easy thing, I think. Yeah, um, and some women maybe would would not have that, and then that would make the de- situation difficult as well, because you want to gain in a way. If you have a family, for example, you want to gain the whole family. You don't want to have the men of the family feel this is just a woman's thing. This isn't for me. Yeah.
0: Do yeah. you ever do you ever run into the issue of separate? groups like men's groups in women's groups um i, I asked mm-hmm. the question because our like we have like this kind of all men's mm-hmm. group and it's like man this is only half the body here mm. you know yeah. and i don't know how to get out of mm. i don't know how to how to get out of only having all men we're also only single men yeah which mm. probably is a different story mm. but yeah. do you ever run into these issues of only one gender in a group and how do you mix them or have you run into mm-hmm. that
1: yes i've had quite a number of groups where there were only women in the group um but it didn't really really reach enough of a maturity within mm. the group to practically deal with the question but the the way that i'm thinking is that as the groups mature if you have like a number of groups that are maturing that then you actually help the groups to network with each other um, for many different reasons. And one is because the body of the local church needs to be bigger than like the small group of five mm-hmm. for for various reasons. And I've always been thinking more about like the, for example, the gifts that that the group has. And mm. when you think about the church, like there needs to be worship. So you need mm. to actually have a gift of someone who can maybe write new worship music that's like culturally appropriate to this group very improbable that i find that in a group of 5 so you probably need a bigger network mm. and all the different gifts but then when i think about men and women i've been more thinking about you know have you, for example these young women unmarried mm. like they need a wider ha- network network so that they can get married for yeah. example yeah those kind of questions. But um, I think that's a very important part. But I haven't really reached that yet. I'm more, it's like as I'm thinking of of what is going on in the ministry that we are having right now. That's more what I'm thinking, like how can we actually set the the direction right so this can actually happen in the future. Mm.
0: Mm. How How can we... S- like, disciple in the direction of having, like, healthy mixed groups or where networks of groups are connected to each other, people are able to get married. I mean, this is a huge question. Mm. Is it the marriage question? Yes. Huge we could have one. a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. Uh, some, like, uh, it's probably the same for women, but I know a lot of men, they mm. feel like following Jesus means they can't get married. Mm. That's just how they feel. Yes. They're not going to get married to a Christian background person yes. no self respecting <laughs> Christian family is going to give their girl yes. their their daughter to an m b b you know it's yeah. just not going to happen uh, to a man who's legally a Muslim, even though like he's following Jesus yes,
1: one of the things that right now we're dealing with a little bit like not directly but like indirectly through someone that my husband is coaching, and he has like a lot of different discipleship relationships and some are starting groups. And we've been thinking of how we can actually make these like people that are all over the place and feel quite isolated Mm. already start to to even give them a taste of you are actually not alone. You're not like the only weird person in the city or in this country who has these questions. And one of the steps is even just to share with them about that there are more people like them. I think that's like Mm. the first kind of... Mm. Share with them... um, Share with them stories of what is going on worldwide and in other movements and let them dream Mm. that this is not just me and my group, but actually we could have a network. There could be more groups. There could be groups in my city and Mm. we know about each other and maybe there could be like opportunities to meet and get to know each other. And then we've been actually thinking and planning with this person, with this believer, like how he could do something more practical to introduce some of the leaders or potential leaders of these groups to each other in a way that's not from the very beginning about like, let's study the Bible together and they may just feel that's far too too dangerous, you know, mm. with all these guys that they don't know and don't trust. but Yeah he had like some work to be done in, in the place that he works. And we we're like, just get them together and help you paint the room or yeah. anything like that. So they can just naturally know each other a little bit. Yeah. And then you can just don't go into full spiritual depth with these people that don't know each other. But, um, and he actually took some steps and then, these guys they just enjoyed that so much and they were really excited about Mm. this that they actually got to know others who were on the same path with them yeah that was a very really good experience but of course it will not always go like that but
0: Mm. yeah no i find that so important especially with this fear factor and everybody's afraid of everybody as well Mm. aren't they the new guy's afraid of of exposing himself to people he doesn't know people the, the The old guys in the group they're afraid of exposing themselves mm-hmm. to some new guy who yeah. could potentially ruin everything you know mm. yeah I find that that kind of easing in inviting inviting people over for some a birthday party mm. or something where it's not nothing spiritual people are just like yeah, having a good yeah. time talking together uh mm-hmm. is a, is a good way to integrate yeah. new people into into groups yeah. um well hey uh I feel like well, we could just like keep talking forever and ever and ever. But I really appreciate your time and I really mm-hmm. appreciate your experience. And uh, yeah, thanks for being with me again.
1: You're welcome. It's good to be asked some questions I haven't thought about yet. So <laughs> I have some new things to ponder.
0: Wow. Amen to that. And if you have some new things to ponder, I have so many more. Praise the Lord. I love learning from this woman. What an amazing person. What an interesting conversation. So enlightening. Hey, thanks for making it to the end of the pod. Uh, I want to remind you it's okay to be normal.